Hey, Babylonians and others that don't want not want to be called that. Oops. That was great. <laughs> Sorry. Should we try that again? Nope. We're leaving it in intrasound. have been with us for a long time even from the beginning and we cannot say thank you enough and I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately how do you make your own podcast well it's simple I use anchor Anchor anchor.fm which is the website or there is an app or you can go on your computer whatever you want to do it's the easiest way Um, it is run through Spotify so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto and there's lots of different it'll stream to at least I think 10 different platforms or more um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter where your setup is like you can start creating today today and tell me what your podcast name is because you know I'm gonna listen Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was great. I don't even know. Um, Welcome. Welcome. To episode 69. Hey, uh, what number are you thinking of? 69, man. Not 68, and we owe you one. No, this is 69. And we picked this particular episode to be number 69 just because of who we're going to be talking about. Because we have 12-year-old boy minds. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, So, um, for you guys, it's been a couple weeks, or not a couple weeks, it's been a week since you've heard from us, but this is all happening because, you know, we talked about pre-recording in case you know I go into labor and that still hasn't happened as of now so but in the future but by the time this maybe this episode hits (laughs) I will have a baby Mm -hmm. and I'm not scared to scare scare him scare him share him on social media so I'm sure I'll end up posting a picture of him on our social probably just Instagram uh, Twitter you have a bloody babbles onesie Yes, I do. Fantastic. That's what will be shown on our... Yep. So that means before this episode goes out, I need to make sure that I mail my friend Kendra hers because I got one for her son who's already born. Hey. It's a size six months, though, so I've got a little bit of time. But I really need to get it mailed because I'm terrible at that. Kendra, I'm so sorry. Hey, Kendra. She's our only only Patreon donor, and yet we haven't even started touching on Patreon as of yet. But we'll see what happens on this maternity leave. Granted... I'm not going to make any promises. She can't even find her bracelets right now, guys. Let's, let's let her have the baby, then we'll work on other things. Who knows? Things. Maybe by the time this episode hits, maybe <laughs> I will have found the damn bracelets. <laughs> I thought I brought them inside 
when I moved and I put them somewhere, but now that I've organized and like nested so much, I'm like, I don't know where they are. And it's not easy just to go through the boxes of my shit in our garage because of how meticulously they've been put together. Like it's a beautiful Tetris box nightmare out there. So now that you guys don't care about anything that we've said and you've skipped through this entire intro. You're welcome. Hi. Again. <laughs> You're welcome. So, um, this isn't, this wasn't a requested case. I just ended up finding a bunch of names, um, on, I'm on a couple, or a couple of different serial killer groups and this name was, um, in that cluster and I just ended up looking him up and <laughs> like I said, this is 69 and we're going to be covering Peter Woodcock. Yep. That's his name. If Peter? you're from Canada, <laughs> which I know we have several of you in Canada that listen to us, Mandy Hagel, hey. 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 Um, we love you. We love you so much. And we love all of you Canadians. Yep. 100%. freaking Whitley. When we give certain shout outs. It's because I just know she, she's the only Canadian Canadian who's reached out to us. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We love you so much. Thank you so much. Send us a moose. Okay. Well, um, hey, you guys, do you get it? Peter? Woodcock. Woodcock. 69. All fucking three names, which Woodcock that's, is one name, but regardless. That's a triple whammy. Triple whammy. Sorry. But, okay. which, um, sorry. that's sorry. his birth name. Mm-hmm. He ends up changing it later, yeah. and it's lame. I guess I can tell you now. It's David Michael Kruger, which I'm like, Actually, whatever. Great last name, but Terrible continue. human. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I tend on, yeah, Freddy Krueger's way cooler. Okay, so we're going to talk about Mr. Woodcock. I'm sorry for how immature I'm going to be this episode. You guys. But yet I'm not. Welcome. Welcome to our lives. And if this is the first episode you ever listened to of us, I'm so... Happy. So cock and happy you're here. (laughs) All right. He was born... um, If there's some things that I struggle through with different names, um, I'm going to apologize now. Usually Canadian names don't scare me, but... um, just in case. I just got to where he was born. It's Peter Burrow. That's funny because his name's Peter. I know. Um, I'm so confused. Peter Burrow, Ontario. Well, I thought I wasn't, I didn't, I read it too fast, so I thought I wasn't going to be able to pronounce it because y'all have heard me struggle if, if you're a repeat listener. Hello. We love you. Um, yes. But uh, like I said, Peter Burrow, Ontario. He was born to a 17-year-old factory worker, and her name was, I'm going to guess, Wada, W-A-I-T-A, Wada, okay. Wada Woodcock. And she ended up giving, the details that I got with these notes, gave him up for adoption after breastfeeding him for a month. Um, um, Adoption agency records report that the newborn Peter showed feeding problems and cried constantly. So I'm wondering if he had something in the breast milk made him upset. But the fact that they just talk about, she breastfed him for a month and then decided to put him up for adoption. I'm assuming because it wasn't working, because he was right. crying, so he could have had one of those things. A lip tie. Yeah, a lip tie. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, who knows? There's so many reasons why they yeah. won't latch, or they're colicky, or whatever, if they're just constantly Or crying. if your diet is... Yeah, yes. Is, or it he could have been... As much as it could be her breast milk, and yeah. there could have been other... There's so many different factors. Because breastfeeding, mm-hmm. which hopefully by the time this hits your ear holes, I will be able to be doing, it is fucking hard. But God is it so rewarding. Um, but we're gonna, we're not going to go on a whole breastfeeding tangent because I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, I can't, or I couldn't, I didn't want to. It's we're okay. Not, we're not going to touch on that. Those choices are yours. And yeah. Yours alone. As long as your baby's fed, yeah. that's all that freaking matters. Yeah, 
Except for this guy. They should have just not fed him. But anyways. <laughs> she did. For a month. For a month. There you and go. She was 17 years old. I Peter. couldn't imagine how hard being a 17-year-old mom breastfeeding. I have plenty of friends who were and did. And I just, I couldn't imagine age, but the <laughs> emotional and mental no, stress 100%. that would be. I was 23 and I fucking struggled. But I made it 10 months, damn it. Um, okay, anyways, done about that. So as an infant, he stayed in various foster homes. But didn't bond to any of his foster parents. I don't know if they didn't do that. Um, I know some of them were abusive and whatnot. What was the years? Sorry, when um, was he born? What was the year? He was born in March 5th, 1939. Okay. So the, thir- the 40s? 30s? Yep. Late 30s? Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, went from foster home to foster home. Um, after his first birthday, he began... Um, or he became really scared of anybody who would come up to him and approach him. And he would like... The, he would make a strange sound that would sound like animal noises. Like, that's mm-hmm. how he responded to them. Um, he didn't... His speech was incoherent. It was just babbles. Ha! <laughs> Sorry. Um, Later to be bloody. No. Sorry. Fact! Hey. Uh, yeah, we just went backwards. It's fine. Um, <laughs> sadly, he was physically abused by one of his foster parents. Um, when he was about two years old, he ended up getting treatment because he, he had a neck injury. Mm-hmm. Um, after um, that he received after getting beaten. Yeah. So I'm like, so I I like how when I listen to Morbid, um, when they talk about when they were children, like having sympathy for how the child was raised and then, you know, hating them as the adults right. they become. So I just, I couldn't imagine a two-year-old baby, like my son is four and I'm like, I, I had a hard time because I would, I'd, I'd swat him on his butt and if you're a parent, like, oh my God, no. So they, that's when they can start learning. I, it was never aggressive, but I'm like, I'd pop him on the butt if he did something. Yeah. I don't really mm-hmm. have to now, but um, he's a pretty understanding kid. But, like, two years old, like, especially showing the delay that he already has, it just breaks my heart. Especially if you're going to be a foster parent. That's, and I, back then, I mean, okay, and I'm not making excuses by any stretch of the imagination. But they didn't have the restrictions. They didn't have the whatevers that they have nowadays. And even nowadays, there's still some really gross people, but there are some amazing, wonderful, people. wonderful. One hundred, but you, no matter what, no matter what, it's just there's good and bad in everything. anywhere and everywhere, and it yeah. just fucking sucks. It and sucks. this poor man, perhaps, maybe had things been better, things could have been different. Who freaking knows? But guaranteed, this shit, this this upbringing did not help him to not become the person he becomes. Exactly. Um, he did by the time, or so that happened when he was two, he ends up getting put into a home with his foster parents, Frank and Susan Maynard, when he was three. Um, they were an upper, an upper middle class couple, and they also had another son, um, Susan, who is described as a forceful woman with an exaggerated sense of propriety. Um, she became super attached to, um, Peter and, um, would, uh, okay, yeah, came super attached to him, who would still scream when someone approached him. By the age of five, he remained super socially awkward and, as this says, maladjusted, and became the target for neighborhood bullies, unfortunately, just with his delay. Oh, yeah. Um, so his parents got really worried about his emotional state, so they would um, bring him to the hospital for sick children. That's literally what it's called, where he received extensive treatment he, was ended, he ended up being sent to a sp- private school, but again, to fail to make friends or interact um, successfully with his peers and was very isolated. 
By age 11, he was very angry, um, was described as an angry little boy, um, which was the Children's Aid Society reported on that from, or, okay, a Children's Aid Society report on him from that time read, this is a quote, and out of their, oh, what are they, a file about him, slight in build, neat in appearance, eyes bright and wide open, worried facial expression, sometimes screwing up of eyes, walks briskly and erect, moves rapidly, darts ahead, interested in questioning constantly in conversation. He attributes his wandering to feeling so nervous that he just has to get away. In some ways, in some ways Peter has little capacity for self-control. He appears to act out almost everything he thinks and demonstrates excessive ex affection for his foster mother. Although he verbalizes his resentment for other children, he has never been known to physically attack another child. Par um, he, Peter apparently has no friends. He plays occasionally with younger children, managing the play. When with children his own age, he is boastful and expresses determinedly ideas which are unacceptable and, unacceptable and misunderstood. So I'm wondering, okay, so he's 11 at this point. So he, they say he was better with younger children because he could manage the play better. I'm just wondering, I don't know if this mentions what his IQ ends up being, if it's even mentioned at all. So I'm wondering if he just... It was just he like bloomer, very immature. And yeah, then he didn't have the upbringing that most kids did. Yeah, passed from home to home. The fact that animal noises. Like yeah, he obviously, with some of these foster parents that he had been with prior to, I mean, even as one and two or whatever, um, there wasn't enough. There wasn't talk stimulation and interaction. Yeah. That makes maybe, me think. And it, maybe, maybe they had an animal jumping right. to conclusions, and and that was what he bonded with. with because the adults, I'm sure, another and assuming, they, yeah, didn't really just yeah interact or you know it's a baby so you yeah, know or a, a toddler it's it's yeah well like, but I mean those first two years of life are huge. so mm -hmm. impactful mm -hmm. on it on their brain but development they didn't know that back then. huh they well I know that I know just but one hundred percent we're seeing that in the mm -hmm. in, in this information that's being provided to us so. um mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's oh, okay. Signs of his violent fantasies were present at this time when at eleven. A, yeah, were very present at this time when a social worker was walking with him, and she or I don't know if it was a she. They said he muttered, "I wish a bomb would fall on the exhibition and kill all the children." Oh. Jesus. Um, well, he was, if he didn't have any friends, I mean, not right, not, not to excusing, but but I mean. If you're the central target for bullying, yeah. like, that's not, unfortunately, an uncommon statement. I mean, unfortunately, we have kids who act out in school, and right, right, right. too many school shootings have gone on in this in my lifetime. But, um, that's, yeah. I mean, that's... Okay, I'm not, I'm not to get him help, and I know, yeah. again, I mean, help, people getting help even now is still kind of frowned upon, but it's getting better. I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that. Um, that stigma is being lifted, but yes. so then and, and taken more seriously. That, that, yeah, it should be as important to go to the doctor for your mental health as it is for a checkup or to make sure that you're not sick. Right. You know. Yeah. So. Exactly. One hundred percent. So he ended up getting sent to another school for emotionally disturbed children in Kingston, on Ontario. Oh my God, Ontario, and began acting on his sexual urges with other children. Um, he, He's okay with him stating that here he had consensual intercourse with a 12 year old girl when he was 13. When he was 15, he ended up leaving the school 
and returned to live with his foster parents, but was re-enrolled at his original private school where he again failed to connect with his peers because, I mean, even if you leave and come back, those kids aren't going to forget. the And kids the, are mean. And the weird kid. They're not going to forget the weird kid. Yeah. Like, oh, this kid was easy to beat up on. Just because he's older doesn't mean he's not. We're not going to include him in anything, which is even more sad. Um, at the age of 16, he le- leaves the private school again and was sent to a public high school where children from the neighborhood instantly recognized him and resumed that bullying. So then he was transferred to a private high school six weeks later. So he went, that's like three different schools and probably the most, like say the most primitive years of your life. Like that's, uh, so his peers shun- again shunned him. His teachers there remembered him as a very bright student who excelled in history, science, and English, and who frequently scored 100% on his tests. Wow. So maybe he, well, I mean, you can have maybe like an av- like middle, I was talking about potential low IQ, but I don't know. He just could it's socially be awkward. socially awkward. Well, and socially deprived. Yeah, yeah. Especially, and then maybe not having a conscience is essentially what ends up happening so that was just yeah part of his youth and everything now we're going to deep dive into start um his crime spree because it's it's going to get pretty extensive and there's when we get to what some of the things he does um i will definitely trigger warning a lot of it because you guys just gotta get details it's um, you know i and i yeah i don't i don't sugarcoat details um but i am good i will warn you just in case and i'll tell you what kind of trigger warning it is because sometimes that's reading it today was it was rough um so his uh peter's prized possession was a red and white schwinn bicycle on which he um satisfied his continuing compulsion to wander he rode the bike to the far uh, ends of the city even during the deep cold toronto winters and evolved a fantasy in which he led a gang of 500 invisible boys on bikes called the Winchester Heights Gang. That's kind of kind of cute. That's, that's kind of cute. I hate. Like I said, <laughs> give me sympathetic when they're a child. Well, you're making them more human. Yes. By letting you know. But it's about to change real quick. Yes, he is a monster. So. Yes, but but that is. I mean, Hitler of, was a kid too. And mm, who? Sorry, Hitler. Hitler, I know. I, I, I mean, all of, you think of all the Bundy, Dahmer, <laughs> they were all kids once too. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's just an imagination thing. Not the, I hate, I, I hate how pure it is. Mm-hmm. But anyways, his fo- foster parents were aware of this fantasy and his compulsion to wander, but they were unaware that he'd begun traveling around Toronto on his bike and sexually assaulting children. Gross. So, mm. things are about to get real, y'all. Because... It goes from sexual assault to murder. So this brings us to September 15th, 1956. Uh, Peter is now 17 years old and he was riding his bike around the grounds of the exhibition place where he meets a seven-year-old boy mm. named Wayne Mallet. Mm. Um, yeah, just if you, it's, they're going to talk, not, okay, there's no rape in this part right here, but um, he lured the boy out of sight then proceeded to strangle him to death. Mm. Mallet's body was found in the early hours of September 16th, pretty quickly afterwards. It appeared his clothing had been removed and he had been redressed, which is an MO that keeps happening. His face was pushed into the dirt, and there were two bite marks found on his body. 
one on the boy's calf and the other one on his buttock. There was no evidence of rape, however, but there were pennies found scattered near the body, and there was defecation next to the victim as well, which they would end up finding out is Peter's. So he defecated next to this kid, this child's body, seven years old. So, um, it came about, about this murder, and they ended up arresting and interrogating another boy whose name was Ron Moffat. Um, they questioned him extensively, and they even got a confession from this boy was 14, despite witnesses who clearly placed him in a movie theater before and after the murder of Wayne Mallet, He was found guilty and sentenced to youth detention. Um, eventually, police acknowledged there was a serial predator in Toronto, because, um, but Moffat was not released. However, when notes were shared between forces... Peter was arrested after his conviction, um, this is later on, um, Woodcock was called as a defense witness for Moffat and the the wrongful murder charge was stayed in 1957 and Moffat was released from custody. Um, There's actually an account about his experience that Nate Henley wrote in 2018 about Moffat's experience of being wrongfully accused and it's called The Boy on the Bicycle. I didn't check it out but if that's something you guys want to look into that'll give you that perspective of can only imagine. being wow. especially being 14 but like well and then extracting how, a confession like well okay and but we then there's also there's good cops and bad cops there's you know we just well, said earlier there's good people and bad people like, in every job every like place a, a few episodes job. ago when we did the joe arity case mm-hmm. and how he was they, they basically coerced him yeah. and told him oh but if you like girls why do you hurt them yeah like yeah. that or this yeah. yeah, I was at the movie theater. You know, like they get were you? You know, and then they just and they quest. There had been times I where the police will hold you for so long for like close to twenty four hours without any sleep or any of that jazz. And, and at then that you, point in time, your brain and everything, you're just like, whatever you want me to say. Yeah, fine, fine. I've yes. had that. I've so, been through. Well, not me personally, but someone close to me went through something like that, and it was. It's just shitty because people are just. Fair. It's not. It's fair. Just That's what you lawyer up. Exactly. I want an attorney. Yeah. I want an attorney. I want I an care attorney. If, I don't care if it's a court-appointed one. Get right. me a fucking attorney who's going to mm-hmm. help me, help me here. But anyways, so that was the first boy. Um, so now we're going to move to. So that was September fifteenth. We're now at October sixth, nineteen fifty-six. Peter, of course, again is riding his bike around what's called Cabbage Town. Sounds delightful. Um, I'm sorry, Cabbage Town. We do the Cabbage Patch. Yes, sorry, well, that's Cabbage only Patch kids came from. Yes. Um, oh gosh. Okay, so he ends up picking up nine-year-old Gary Morris. They drove to Cherry Beach, where he again strangles and beats him to death. And they said that um, a coroner, coroner later determined that Morris um, had died from a ruptured liver. His body was found with a bite mark on his throat, and this time. Paper clips were ritualistically sprinkled near the corpse because before it was pennies. So he's just doing... It's interesting. I don't know the significance to that. Um, And again, like I said before, his clothing had been removed and then he had been redressed. So he's taking these clothes off and putting them in new clothes. I don't know if it's his clothes or clothes he goes and buys. I didn't know that, but okay. But just the way maybe they're misbuttoned or something. I don't know. But that's just, that just seems like a lot. Yeah. 
Alright. Alright, 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 alright. Um, yeah. This means trigger warning. Huge trigger warning, child rape, child murder, uh, how she, this, it's a little girl, how she dies is a lot, so if you guys want to skip forward, I'd say a good maybe 30, 45 seconds. This is awful. Um, and for those of you who are going to stay here and brave this, fucking kudos to you. Okay, so... Uh, okay, so we went from September 15th, 1956, October 6th, 1956. This is now January 1957, so we're about three months later. Peter, again, you know, riding his bike when he approaches four-year-old no. Carol Voice and offered her a ride on his bike. So he would have been... Oh, uh, 18 now? Almost 18, because his birthday is March 5th, and this is just a couple months, so he's still 17. He drags her to what's called called the Blur or no Blur Viaduct B L O B L O O R Viaduct and he murders her. When she was found, her clothes had been pulled off. Like I said, there's a big trigger warning right here, guys. It appeared that she had been choked into unconsciousness mm. and sexually molested mm. and that her death was caused by a tree branch being forcibly inserted into her vagina. Oh my gosh. That's that's what killed her. Like I said, that was... When I read that, I think I stared at the computer screen and my mouth was just open. Like, four years old? And that's... That's what caused her to die. Oh, my God. Okay. We're going to move past that now. Um, so, when her body was discovered... Witnesses say they saw a teen cycling away from her Carol Voice's crime scene and an accurate composite sketch was created based on the witnesses' descriptions. The sketch ran on the front page of the Toronto Star and would lead to Peter's arrest on January 21st, 1957. So that's two days later. Good. And his um, confession to... And his subs subsequent confession to all three murders. He recalled upon his... Bleh, upon his arrest... I'm so sorry. That was a struggle. Quote, my fear was that my mother would find out. Mother was my biggest fear. I didn't know if the police would let her at me. Shit, I was just, I don't even, I couldn't imagine. I, I just couldn't imagine as his mom. Um, when he went to trial, he was only tried for the murder of Carol Voice. On April 11, 1957, after a four-day trial, he was found not guilty by reason of insanity and was sent to the Oak Ridge Division of the Maximum Security Oh, boy. Mental Health Center in... I was going to try to avoid this. Penitengishni? No. Penitengishin? Spell it. P-E-N-E-T-A-N-G-U-I-S-H-E-N-E. There you go, guys. I think it like goes like penitang is the like shortened version in Ontario. So that's what I'm sticking with, and I'm so sorry that I just murdered that. Ah. There you go. Poor choice of words. Bye. <laughs> so while he was in prison, um, he was diagnosed as a psychopath, which, I mean, it rightfully so. Um, he underwent various forms of psychiatric therapy, which included using LSD treatments that were popular in the 1960s. He's also giver, giver, given other personality-breaking dr drugs, which is... Um, scopolamine, sodium amytal, meth methedrine, and dexamol. Dexamol? Dexamol. 
Um, he was subjected to dyads, which is a personality-breaking therapy in which inmates are challenged um, or challenge each other's belief systems, which inmates are referred to as the 100-day hate-in. That sounds awful. Wow. Oh my gosh, it like she's back out here. I can smell her toots. Um, dyads were developed in the late 1950s to early 60s by a Harvard psychologist and former CIA interrogation and psychological warfare expert, Henry A. Murray. Uh, Peter did not respond well to these treatments. I mean, who would? Yeah. And was not an ideal prisoner. He engaged in cor- oh my gosh, coercive sexual acts and exploited several inmates who were often less intelligent or less sane than he mm-hmm. was. So you got to remember, he's not in prison. He's in a psychiatric. He's in a yeah, but he psych ward. So he he was intelligent he, enough to enough. But he was doing perhaps to these people. Yeah. In the psychic that could very well have been done to him as. A child when he was getting bullied. Right. Um, He convinced inmates that he had contact with an imaginary gang called the Brotherhood on the outside and that in order to be initiated inmates had to perform oral sex on him and bring him gifts of cigarettes. Um, He ended up being transferred to a less restrictive institution and ultimately arrived at the Brockville Psychiatric Hospital. Staff indulged his passion for trains by taking him to the Smiths Falls Railway Museum, and even took him to see the movie The Silence of the Lambs. Good choice. Oh my gosh. Like, wh- why? He's mesmerized now. He is, like, transfixed and, and God. Uh, idolizing. Yeah. Okay. So during this time, he ends up changing his legal name to David Michael Kruger and rekindled a relationship with Bruce Hamill, who is an Ottawa killer who had been released from Oak Ridge and was working as a security guard at the Ottawa Courthouse. Um, uh, Kruger convinced Hamill of the Alien Brotherhood would solve his problems if he helped kill another Brockville inmate whose name was Dennis Kerr. So, he's like a master manipulator. Like, okay. Um, Bruce, come on now. So, this brings us to July 13th, 1991. So, he got caught in yeah 1957 so um not quite oh yeah maybe like 25 years later no what did i say 1981 a little under 20 years that's fine it's irrelevant so he remember he befriends this old killer who's was released and was a security guard at the courthouse bruce hamill he goes to a hardware store he buys a plumber's wrench a hatchet knives and a sleeping bag and then went to the Brockville Hospital and signs out the 52-year-old, well, it says Kruger here, but Peter, on his first publicly escorted day pass. Within the first hour of his first unsupervised release in 34 years, um, uh, I keep saying Kruger, I don't, I don't want to call him by that, because that's what he wanted to be called. Uh, Peter arranged to meet Dennis Kerr in the woods, you know, because that's where you meet people. So Dennis arrives in the woods... Peter struck him in the head with the pipe wrench and continued to beat him into unconsciousness. This was another inmate um, that he's beating to death. Uh, Peter and uh, Hamill then seized the hatchet and knife they had hidden in the bushes while waiting for Kerr's arrival, and it hacked and stabbed stabbed Dennis, mutilating his body and nearly severing his head. And they, oh God, this is triggery warning, gross. They sodomized the corpse. Um, 
so Peter ends up leaving the scene, walks to a police station two miles away, and turns himself turns himself in. So I just what the fuck? This guy is just. So that's another. That's four people he's killed now, three children, and then this this guy Dennis Kerr. Granted, I don't know what Dennis did to end up being another inmate. I don't know his crimes, but I mean, he was out in the world. Obviously, he was doing better. I don't know. I don't know. So for the murder of Dennis Kerr, um, Peter was transferred back to the Oak Ridge Division of the Penetang Mental Health Center, where he spent the majority of his 34 preceding years in custody. And the years after Kerr's murder, he was um, the focus of a biography in several documentary films and uh, sometimes tried to explain why he killed but could never come up with rational reasons. He said in a 1993 interview, quote, I'm accused of having no morality, which is a fair assessment because my morality is whatever the system allows. So, needless to say, after the trauma and disgusting things he's done and murders he's committed, on March 5th, 2010, his 71st birthday, he ended up dying of natural causes in the mental health center. Wow. Exactly 71 years old. But, holy shit. Like, I don't even... Reading through Carol, that... Just what she endured as a four-year-old child. That one. That's what... I... Ugh. What a monster. Yep. hope every day in hell for him is just worse than the day before. Like, Jesus, oh, Pete's. Gross. Fucking nightmarish. Yeah. <sighs> so if you're from Canada, <laughs> please let I'm us know. For a nice dead. Yeah, for one, for sure. <laughs> Be so grateful. I'm grateful. Like God. I hope that was his final Can life. I like the parents of that beautiful little girl. Well, all the parents that had to. Yeah. So sorry for your losses. Like, like and I hope yeah. life has somehow given you something back that makes you smile and makes you happy. I don't know. Yeah, that's I just... That's horrific. That's, oh, like, seven-year-old, nine-year-old. Like, what the hell, man? Like, to, but to target children, but he liked to, at the schools, that's what he liked to go and play with because they were easier to Yeah. Well, they manipulate. got along with it. It sure seemed like he just got along with them better. Yeah, because, right. like we said, that possible matched mentality not to justify anything that he does but just that was just what was easier for him and he took advantage of that I mean I know he went like to sociopath (coughs) quick or it seems if it it wasn't there already that was especially his description of of himself like the system he's like I don't he doesn't give a fuck his thoughts are not that oh this is bad this is awful it's just I killed him so and that's you guys say that's bad. Okay. No conscience. Yeah. Whatsoever. Jiminy yeah. Cricket just left the building, so yeah. fucking like, what the stuck hell? a tree branch in Jiminy Cricket. Sorry, oh. that was awful. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> oh jeez, oh Pete's <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> Me either. I'm really sorry. Not the I'm surprised. I'm so sorry. That was rough. 
This is how we deal with things. We try to find humor, even if it's the most darkest, disgusting thing I've ever heard. And we've covered a lot of cases. Like, this is 69, or not, yeah, 69 episodes deep. <laughs> uh, see, there it is. And I don't think I've heard a death is, that's so graphic. No, we've heard some, there's, uh, we've heard some bad ones. But that's definitely up there. I'm not, I'm not saying. You know. Right. That's just, that's yeah. what, to have that happen, I yeah. don't, I mean, just be like, you said you were trigger warning with us, why are you still, because I can't process it. Right. Like, oh my god. Because we're not, we're not monsters, so yeah, when we try to wrap our brain up and make it I'm like literally holding my head together right now. Yeah, it, it, it can't be, it, it's, it's, it, it's not logical, it doesn't make, it, it's. I'm glad it doesn't make sense to me. Right. But I'm like, I, but then again, it doesn't make me. Feel any better about or the fact that it not want to like to try to unravel, understand yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where it makes me think of like how Mind Mind Hunter yeah. and that show and the book and mm-hmm. the wonderful things John does and like trying to get inside of those those minds. Yep. Like, holy shit balls! And, and can you only imagine the way he had to play friendly? Yeah. What that does to you? Like, well, like, like especially when you watch. Ooh. If you haven't seen Mindhunter, my God, I don't know Go. what, what why, are what are you doing? Why are you listening to this and not watching that? Yeah, that, like, especially because the portrayals and... It's there, it's so well done. All and the all the are. actors, just, the, the uncanny resemblances to the killers yes. they portrayed. Not that I would want to go out in the real world and be like, ah, oh, <laughs> right. I look right. like Edmund Kemper, but <laughs> I, I specifically <laughs> hone in on him just because the actor that plays him is... Fucking phenomenal. He's just great in all that he does, but especially that. Yes. Yeah, he just it blew me away. Oh man, I binged that so hard. I think I watched it in three days. Yep. Yeah. Oh my god, I think my dog is dying. Her gas is awful. Um, okay, goodness. Well, I uh, I hope you guys. Uh, no, I hope you didn't enjoy this. I hope you guys appreciate the information I you've hope learned. You were well informed. Hey! We're going to end you to this episode. Okay, till next time. Babylon! When was the last time you watched a Disney movie? No. When did you really watch one of their early movies? My name is Jen. I started re-watching every one of the Disney animated feature films recently, and watching them with a modern eye made me say, Oof, right in the childhood. Join me every Monday to learn the history behind each of these movies. And then, after I talk about the history and trivia for that movie, I'll summarize and react to my experience watching it as a modern feminist. Every week, you'll learn something, you'll laugh a little, and you'll realize that your Disney-steeped childhood was rife with hidden sexism, racism, classism, ableism, and more. It really will make you say, oof, right in the childhood. <laughs>